0: Thank <music> Space cave conversations with scientists, artists, people who are fascinating, uh, sometimes over beer. And this is like a 50 50 one of those people have been asking recently, When are you bringing the beer back? And I thought, I better start trying to do that. But I didn't reach out to my guest to see if he would like to indulge because I just assumed, I don't know why we talk about this in the episode that he didn't drink. And then I was like, oh, I have some beer going. I hope you don't mind. He's like, oh, I would have joined you. (laughs) So we're getting there. We've gone from uh, not having beer for quite a while to uh, maybe we'll slowly start to bring it back. I'll make a better effort. I'll get a new system in place that allows me to be more consistent and obviously on top of it a little better so that I'm not sitting here sipping beer while the guest is like, well, that sure looks good. Apologies for that Especially to Jeff, a wonderful human being, fantastic backstory, or an interesting backstory. Let's not judge backstories on good or bad. Everyone just has a story. His is interesting. Uh, he's a an illustrator, a visual artist, graphic designer, comedian, just an artsy... The way he lives his life, very artistic, very bright, colorful. You see his art, you're like, ah, this guy seems like he's... Uh, enjoying what he's doing. And he's very talented at it. You can really get lost in it. Go uh, check out his Instagram or website. You will like it. And he's done some artwork that you might be familiar with. If you watched um, Big Nothingness, he did the font for that over the uh, photo my friend Jordy took. Anyway, we've we decided to sit down and chat about art, creativity, some of those things. I hope you like it. Here's part 1 with Denver comedian and illustrator Jeff Tice. Oh, here we go. That's why. Ah, <laughs> get that video on in it. All right. What is um the sh- what's your shirt? South Carolina oh, Tech Academy?
1: No, dude, it that's oh, pretty, Minnesota. what it is. It's Minnesota, but I bought it in Minnesota. On like a little trip seeing some friends. Yeah. But like shortening Minnesota to just the word soda to me is so dumb. But I was like, I'm buying it anyway.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I went to a University of Minnesota gopher uh, football game. Yeah. And people in the crowd would be going, come on, rodents. Like kind of rooting for them, but also kind of talking (laughs) trash. And then they had this song they sang that would go blah, 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 blah. And then they'd hands up and go, soda, soda, soda. And I just – I couldn't get over it. I was like, guys, you're never going to win with this.
1: (laughs) This is a loser mentality. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's my like around the house shirt. I I can't bring myself to – and it's also one of those shirts where people who are from Minnesota will be like, nice, Duke. It's like a very specific Minnesota thing. I was like, ah, I just – I went there once, sorry dude, that's it. I got, I got nothing
0: for you. Skull and, uh, or skull with an O. and then Oh seven. yeah. Yeah, they have yeah. some, some yeah. Minnesota specific things. Very inside jokes, yeah. I, we, uh, when we were recording last time, oh, you know what? As we get going, people keep asking me, and I know you don't drink, but like. Yeah, I, used no, I, drink, to... I drink.
1: You do? Yeah, I just look like I don't drink.
0: I thought yeah. for sure you didn't for whatever reason. Oh, well, if you have anything to drink and you'd like to, I should have coordinated with you before. And in my head, I was like, oh, yeah, I think we went out one time in Denver. And I, in my mind, for whatever reason, you were like, oh, yeah, I don't. I don't. So I apologize. Maybe
1: not. I, might have, I might have not been at the time. I don't know. I. It's so funny. Everyone thinks I have kids and everyone thinks I don't drink. Both of those are not true. <laughs>
0: Dang it! Do you have something in your refrigerator you'd like to uh, crack? Oh, you have something going currently?
1: I have just a nice coffee right now.
0: Oh, okay, all right. Well, if you want to uh, grab something with um, some fermentation in it or anything like that, feel free.
1: Okay, I I have, don't think I I don't think I even have anything. What do you have?
0: I have this Golden Road Ride on Ten Hop Hazy IPA.
1: Oh shit! It's
0: really sweet and uh, it's like a treat. Probably, you know, people that don't eat candy and they're like. Ah, I'm pre-diabetic. What? Like, yeah, it comes from lots of places. I think there are lots of sugars in this, but that's so funny. It's quite good. I'm fold Are you it. an IPA
1: IPA guy?
0: I go all over the place. I, I don't I don't um I think when my hair was long, I never wore it in a in a bun. And I have no judgment. I shouldn't say that. I live in Los Angeles, so <laughs> someone that's kind You're- of a pest ordering or something like that would give me a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. For for that aesthetic. And I would say, oh, it goes along with a stereotype. So I'm, I'm not going to be that. Pr- I've seen plenty of people be very pleasant, very uh, innocuous in our exchanges. But it's just that one person who dresses or acts a certain way that makes you go, I, I can't do that.
1: You're like, God damn it. Yeah, totally. And
0: just how many... You know, we both do stand up, and how many times have you been in the back of the room? And the comedian's joke that probably kills the punchline is, G- Get out of here, you and your man bun, you know, something to that yep. effect. That's yep. really not that exact joke, but, um, yep. you know, that whole thing of like, Oh, we all know us as a crowd of people, we know a man bun is terrible. And I yeah. think when people say, I'm an IPA guy or something like that, yeah, yeah, <laughs> there's a stigma. I don't, I've had so many people well, on this podcast say, I'm an IPA guy, and I go, Ah, great, you know what you
1: like. That's awesome. Well, Colorado. We have the most extreme version of the IPA guy, but then also <laughs> everyone likes IPAs here. It's not like so. I, I don't ask in like a <laughs> "Are you an IPA guy?" It's like a "Do you like IPAs?" Because everyone I know does, and it's weird. <laughs> it's weird when I find people who don't uh, just because of this state. I feel like, especially I went through like the phase in Colorado where you're like. I just don't really like IPAs and everyone, it's like they'll kill you. you know, they'll take yeah.
0: you. Yeah. You, you and I, to some degree, I can understand. It's such a vast, to me, like so many Pilsner's taste pretty crisp. There's a feel to yeah. to them. This is a Czech Pilsner. Yeah, it tastes like they all taste kind of the same. Yeah. Brown ales, porters, a lot of stouts, no matter how many like chocolates and whatever they mix in. Yeah. But pale ales can really have a gigantic spectrum.
1: 100 percent and so i feel I, like every brewery oh sorry go ahead no no yeah i was just saying every brewery has a, a golden ale a golden pale ale here
0: mm-hmm. and
1: it's it is a range of like am i going to like this or not yeah and so yeah yeah
0: for sure yep there, there's something weird about that where on one hand you could get kind of frustrated with the people like yeah, you don't like ipas <laughs> but it, it really should be more like you don't like pale ales because you'd have yeah. like a west coast pale ale and you, and you would go what's what makes this different from a pale or an ipa so if you go to a restaurant, you're like can I get a pale ale? I'm like, would an IPA be okay? Like, sure, it has the P A, and I really don't know <laughs> the difference well enough. Sure, I'll take that. But that yeah. that adds to how far that spectrum goes.
1: Yeah, whatever say. ale doesn't have colonization involved, I'll take that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's Like, so- well.
0: Yeah. Speaking of colonization, you uh, and I didn't know this till the last time we hung out being a uh, a kid and I know as an artist in Colorado and we know each other through Dave Clock and uh, yep. and then running into each other. You did. Uh, we did a show together in Colorado in Denver at the mm-hmm. Bug Theater. Beautiful yep. establishment. And then uh, when we were talking last time, you were like, oh, I grew up in Australia. So speaking yep. of does that count as colonization or are you just looked at it as like a commonwealth sort of uh I-
1: yeah I don't know. I guess it is colonization because it was a prison colony of mm-hmm. the British. and so <laughs> um they the Australians definitely hold the you know that the angst and <laughs> the anger towards the British like a lot of uh, colonies of the British. but uh yeah, I grew up there from when I was four to when I was twelve. and so my dad is a preacher and so it was like church related and uh yeah, we moved out there and we lived in the middle of nowhere it was like a small little town so that was cool but yeah it was just it was it was i really appreciate it now because when i moved here i moved from there when i was 12 in sixth grade the culture shock was a lot because i was in middle school but now it's nice to have the perspective of not growing up in the united states or not at least spending that many years away Mm -hmm. and you know I have a nice, I think it helped my perspective <laughs> <of> <laughs> just shape a different perspective a little bit, but, uh, yeah, so that's it.
0: That's cool, man. Um, I was coming back thinking about colonization and that's such a weird, and normally it would be, and I know there are constrained relationships at times, um, in Australia with Aboriginal people and then, uh, the fairer skinned, uh, <laughs> formally uh, <laughs> abandon their prisoners and uh-huh. that's such a weird way to like for the aboriginal people to go like well they didn't colonize us and, like is it, yeah. but is it worse though that they put their criminals there they just, <laughs> yeah. you deal with yeah. it now that's a that's a weird dynamic to establish and kind totally. of impressive that seemingly now those relations are decent i, I don't know if you keep up but like how are they
1: bad oh so bad <laughs> Oh, the worst! Damn it, I, I was terrible. way
0: off. I'm sorry. They've,
1: just such a tra- like a traditional treaty, like just the classic, stereotypical government neglecting for years and treating the indigenous people like trash. And so, the uh, yeah, the Aboriginal people in uh, in Australia have definitely gone through some some really rough times. Uh, similarly, I don't really, I'm not super educated on the the issue. I just know that similar to the United States, indigenous people that you know. High drug rates, high alcoholism because of the way the government has pushed them out and pushed them into little areas that they once had and belonged to and owned. Yeah. And then the Australian government was like, nah, this is ours now. I think they're having more I think their the relationships are getting better. I think. I have again, i I really don't know that much about it, but it it was always like very much an issue when I lived there. But this was back in the nineties. Yeah. Like late late 90s so who knows what what's going on over there but i feel feel like there's not a lot of countries that are like yeah we did great we moved in and then the relationship was fine (laughs) like maybe like new zealand is the only like country i can think of that is celebratory towards their indigenous people but i'm still i'm sure there's even tensions around that but yeah i I think
0: i know that through and maybe i have this wrong maybe he's australian but i think like taika waititi uh, really celebrates that culture, embodies yeah. it, is such a unique example of achievement. You know, coming yeah. from a place where you would be like, man, that is – I like uh, Chad Daniels, I don't know if you know him, is a comedian who still yeah. lives in a small town in Minnesota, in Soda. That's awesome. And Soda. when I when I was there, I was looking around like, this is like any small town in Nevada that I would go – uh, do like cowboy stuff on the weekends. Yeah. And you know, you have like the small, slow, tiny pace of life there. And yeah. I guess theoretically San Francisco was close in the same way that Minneapolis was, but I'm fascinated when people, uh, branch out of a small place like that. You, yeah. you, it's one thing to, you know, Oh, I'm on American Idol and I, I wanna just want to say hi to everyone back in uh, Willow Springs, population four hundred. That's common, but yes. for someone to be like, No, I went, I worked the road and I did all you know, I did all the traditional methods to get and I'm doing Carnegie Hall and they go, Where are you from? I'm like, I'm from Willow Springs, population yeah. four hundred. It would blow our minds.
1: You're like, wait, what? Yeah, and I've never <laughs> left. I've just been on the road. You're mm-hmm. like, All right. Yeah, I think like the it is fascinating when I guess it's more common to find people who move back, especially now because of COVID. Like I was, uh, I did some shows with um, John Heffron uh-huh. and he he has just moved back or did move back during COVID to uh, Michigan, so to the Midwest. Okay. So he was just telling me, he like, he's like, I live out on like some land, it's really nice. You know, just, I was like, wow, fascinating. Because it's like, at a certain point, I think a lot of comedians during COVID just moved back home or where they wanted to be and then realize that they can just go on the road. And then even more so at that that next level, if you're just on the road touring, it doesn't matter where you are. If you're not doing anything LA or New York based. Yeah. Who, who cares?
0: Yeah, you want to be invited. So, you know, if you are Taika Waititi or like maybe someone like Chad of, well, I know the open mics are going to be a lot bigger in Minneapolis than yeah. they would be in Willow Springs uh, yeah. or, or, you know, wherever you're you're from but then to like maintain that to do have you seen the hunt or the search for the wilder people no oh man you would love it it's really really great it's just imaginative and silly it's really funny and it has a very specific feel so it's the type of movie that when you watch you're like who directed this and then that's i think a lot of people learn taika waititi's name of like oh this is really this is i love that too of the what you see is a representation of all of the his life experiences so yeah. sometimes things when they start to feel a certain way like well this is repetitive or this is kind of an homage to this person which is a kind way of saying like you just kind of stole someone else's techniques <laughs> and so growing up in australia son of a preacher that gives you a pretty unique um thumbprint or fingerprint to 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 operate from where if people say like You know, your art has a specific style and, you know, would you attribute it to that or would you just think that, yeah, art kind of comes from a different place. It doesn't really matter where you're from or the experiences you've had so much, like the techniques you develop, or am I way off? Would you say, no, everything you do is a result of, you know, who you've been prior?
1: Yeah, I think it's all, it's definitely a result. I think I attribute a lot of uh, just creativity, I guess, I think across all mediums for most people and myself included is just it's you hear it so much in stand-up but I think it works for art it's just like an outsider's perspective you always feel like you're an outsider Mm -hmm. or in some form or another and I think I just experienced that enough throughout my life that the one consistent thing that I always could go back to was creativity in the form of drawing for the most part and and then later into stand-up but yeah, when I when I lived in Australia, I was always the American kid because growing up, I had just I'd moved there when I was four, but our family was American, so we were like the American family, even though I was as Australian as you could be mm-hmm. at the time. I, you know, I didn't see myself as American at all, but that's how we were always, you know, talked to. And then uh, when I moved to America, I was forever the Australian kid. I'm still the Australian kid to some of my friends. And so I was always like something else to them. I was never like American, even though I technically was born in America, but you know, I came from Australia. And then uh, I think in school I, I liked drawing and illustration and painting and art and stuff like that, which I think was a product of Australia. They, they really growing up, it was, it was really emphasized, I think more so than in American schools, at least was my experience. I also got two American schools in middle school where that's the prime time for <laughs> the school system to be like, the arts are not important anymore. <laughs> like, like, what are you going to do with this drawing thing? Get it out of here. So I think that's probably also part of my experience with that. But then getting into high school, I, I, I wanted to take photography and drawing and art, and I did. But I also am six four. And so I played basketball. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I love basketball, but to so all my basketball friends, I was like the art guy. And then all my art friends or art classes, I was like just the basketball guy, the sports guy. And so I was I always felt like I was like whatever environment I'm in, I always felt like I wasn't supposed to be there. I never felt like super comfortable. And to me, that is what one like gets makes you funny, but also I think that just fosters creativity. I think that helps you see the world differently. It's so much of creativity to me is just problem solving. And you just learn to navigate the problems and like the little pieces here and there. So I think that's the longest way I could describe. That's why I like <laughs> <laughs> art. It's just because I always have felt like I didn't really fit in, even though on the outside, I look like the cliche version of someone who would fit in <laughs> like just so yeah i guess
0: but i like that the art itself is factored in in a way that it wasn't sort of and maybe i'm seeing this through my like i always drew and i liked drawing but i would go through phases where no one knew me as the art guy yeah sports or otherwise they would it just if i happened to be drawing or i drew something they go you can draw it was always kind of a what yeah. I, I wasn't the type of kid that always had a notebook open drawing hey come on guys you got to do your homework or it's study hall or what you close that up dave close yeah. that up it wasn't that way it was at home privately drawing oh, interesting
1: yeah so did, did you ever identity.
0: get in trouble in class for drawing or doodling We did the, my friends and I, I think we were sophomores in high school and we were drawing this comic series that started to kind of consume our, hey, we finished the assignment really fast. Let's, let's work on our comics.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that
0: was the only time that maybe we had a a teacher be like, guys, it's too much.
1: Stop. But I don't,
0: I don't remember there ever being a time that was like, hey, hey, come on, close that up. You're supposed to be reading right now. You're supposed to be doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I That's like so that funny. for you,
0: it was. It seems more that it's in your DNA, that it was something, that it, even even like being an outsider shapes that or gives it some direction, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Because I everyone probably feels that way. If you think of a, a kid, and we all maybe knew someone like this, that just showed up one day and, oh, I'm a goth, by the way. And we'd yeah, be like, yeah. what? <laughs> huh? And I think what? they just desperately wanted to have a category to fit into. Totally. you think of like That's... the cool kids, and I'm just, maybe this is personal, but- in my school, I, I don't know what they were into. I don't know what they liked. I knew yeah. what made us kind of nerdy kids was if you could quote like Ace Ventura or Adam Sandler. These were big movies. So yeah, what were yeah. the cool kids into? They didn't like yeah. those movies. What were they talking about? What were they doing? Yeah, were just they grunting, fit, just, just grunting around, just,
1: <laughs> just like dragging knuckles. And I mean, I, I totally agree. I feel like, especially by the time I was in middle school and high school, I-, I I, it was, it's at the age of everyone is just looking for the thing that they want to do and yeah, I, I, went through like the skateboarding phase and it was one of those, like, I think, I think I, because I popped around from all the different little groups, I was someone who definitely didn't have just a main group of friends and it, and by the time I was in high school, it didn't seem like our high school had a really aggressive, like click like system where you're "You're a part of the job so you're a part of it It was at least by the time and I think the internet now has completely obliterated that which I think there's you know there's probably little niches of that but not that classic oh I just play football nothing else it's like you know because I think the internet expands you know if you're into something you can find exactly what that is but I think from an early age I, from, for the, from a drawing perspective, I think what really kept me doing it was, so my mom still has a, uh, an illustration or a drawing that I did. So when I would just draw in church, cause I had to go to church three times a week, I was there, my, you know, that's all we did. We were just in church all the time. And so that's what I would keep myself busy by just doodling and drawing all the time. Dude, and-
0: I got a I wedge in with like, maybe this is such a thing that For me, drawing was if we went on a road trip, and it it was a trip I had done before where it was just a lot of sagebrush or something, I'd get this, I think, barrel, B-E-R-O-L, these giant pads. I would open that, and I would just, well, this summer I'm going to start. And in my head, it was just this gigantic pencil sketch. And usually it would be pretty in-depth, but I would start it on the drive. And I think that same impulse of it's church. It's somewhere like that's kind of boring to me. And I can't, yeah. I need to put my head down. I can't, I cannot just look at sagebrush going by or totally. listen to these sermons over and over. Totally. Well, and
1: my dad's funny. Cause he, he is a great illustrator. Like he never did it professionally, but he always would do like kids stories and he would doodle cartoons and like draw them out on like a whiteboard as part of like Sunday school. And they were just very stylized, almost like simpson-esque looking characters Mm -hmm. but he would use them for like sunday school and then my mom is super creative as well she does really nice like art quilts like very like high-end super intricate art art quilts and uh so i had that that support from them it wasn't like they were like oh this like little freak kid likes art like they were (laughs) they were very supportive of that uh so so when i was like hey i'm gonna draw during church my dad was like well because my dad, when he draws, or he was like, I need to be doing something to listen. That's how I just got away with it. I was like, oh, I'm listening. If I'm drawing, I'm listening. And so that was the <laughs> easiest way to be able to like get the, the free pass to always draw. And then so for years from when I was seven, I remember seven because my, my mom has a drawing st- like framed in their house still. And I drew the, the, like the bouquet of flowers right below the, the pulpit and the like the little offering bag that they pass around yeah and I look at it now and it's ballpoint pen and I'm like that's not bad like, <laughs> it's not it's I was like that's not bad for a seven year old and so I think that was like the moment or and my mom kept that in her bible for like yeah for years until she finally got it framed but it was one of those moments where I think I look back now and I'm like oh I've always had a, a knack for it, a talent for it but through my parents always being supportive of it, that was totally helpful. It was like the thing that I was good at. And so I could always just go back to that. And then another part of it, I always tell people like, everyone chalks up art to talent. Everyone thinks art is talent. It's like, it, it might start there, but like getting good at drawing is just hours. Like you just sit and it's just hours. And you know this, like you're great at drawing. It's You just sit and do it. And I tell a lot of people like, you can get good at drawing, no matter what your level is, if you just sit for hours. But for years, my schedule was all through high school. I would go to I would go to school. I'd go to basketball practice. I'd come home and eat. I would do my homework or not do my homework. And then whatever time I had left, I had a big drafting table, which I still have in my basement now, big drafting table that my parents got me. And I would just sit and draw until bed, until I was told to go to bed. And I would do that every single night. And just with like a little lamp on and like listen to music and just draw. And then I did that all through high school, like pretty much every night I could. And then I went to college and I went to art school in college and I had the same schedule. I just kept, I'm very, I'm super routine based and, I would, I didn't really party that hard in college. That's maybe why you didn't think I'd drank. i just I just give up <laughs> such nerdy vibes. It in
0: my mind that you were like, no, I'll hang out, but I I don't drink. And I remember yeah. that night and specifically something you said, which was, I think you I don't know if you went as far back to talk about like this had been a routine you had done, but you go, yeah. currently, you know, uh, mental health is such a, a hot button thing. And one of the things they tell yes. you is try to do something that stimulates you, that's creative, yeah. that's just and you're like I do that for hours a day and I think I'm generally like a pretty happy person. Yeah, yeah, and I, totally. I found that so fascinating. My friend Todd uh, Merriman, he had this story where he was in college and he had a guy that was drawing the thing he would write, which was a, uh, like a comic strip. Yeah. And then we, we worked together in the office at the comedy club and he would show me his comics and he goes, I finally just got sick of waiting for this guy. I started drawing and the first ones were terrible. But then as it went along, he developed this style that was very specific to him and I think everyone has that if everyone just sat there and drew for five hours a day it's like a muscle it would get stronger and maybe it wouldn't look how you see it in your head but it would look like and for him it was so funny it was I was like oh you draw in a way that can't help but be funny and I love when someone has that
1: that's my favorite dude I love that so much like I always tell my buddy my so I had I had I grew up I grew up I went to a Uh, like an agency right out of college and I was an ad agency and I I worked with a bunch of designers who were natural illustrators and graphic designers. But one of my best friends was a strategist. He wasn't, he was very creative, but he wasn't technically good illustrating. And I always told him my favorite illustrations were, are from people who can't draw, but are super creative. And then they try to draw like, those are my favorite. I love that way more than if you can draw a still life or whatever wildlife and it just looks photorealistic. Cool man, whatever, dude. I want <laughs> my favorite illustrations and drawings are like the weird like I don't have you ever seen um uh his it's on Twitter and Instagram. It's at @pants. Just pants. oh yeah. Love that dude, pants. Dude. Really that funny. guy very like stylistic but not I mean he does have he actually you can tell he is technically talented and like it's very yeah. consistent but I love that style where it's like it doesn't have to be this overly done, beautiful, what just ballpoint pen and a great idea. The way he hilarious.
0: captures that central figure's forehead every time yeah. <laughs> would drive me crazy. Do you have things like that where you're like, I, I mean, people could study it and they could take out protractors and things and go yeah it's crazy like right here the slope changes from this to this and that's what makes it funny we can't explain it it's so true
1: it just has like a spirit to it that you're just like that's what's great and it's like when it's like a comedian that you see where you're like I'll just watch them do whatever I don't care what they're doing on stage they're a funny person and that totally comes through in art too like when you see a drawing you're like man that just makes me smile or whatever it just elicits an emotion and I love that so much and so that's the other thing, going back to the mental health thing, like when it, when I don't remember who said that, I think it just came from when coloring books became like adult coloring books became such a thing. Uh, they were so like hot for a while and everyone was basically like, yeah, it's so meditative. You could just sit and color. And I just remember thinking, I was like, that's what I do for a living. Right? And I was like in the midst of working at an agency that I was doing a ton of illustration work for like beer cans and labels and, and ads and stuff. And I literally would just sit, listen to music and draw for 10 hours a day for my job. And I loved it. It was awesome. But that's why I say I, th- I think all those hours in college and high school at night, it was my wind down. I always like I would just spend time and obviously drawing is f- like infuriating a lot of the times when you can't get the right thing. Mm-hmm. But if you're not going for anything and you're just, you know, you're just practicing hands or whatever, like doing noses or just scenes you know like (laughs) I would always do that and for the hours I've put in for that I'm still not as good as I should be (laughs) but I, I do have some friends who like have put in less hours and they just are naturally better but it's uh yeah I think it just is that time like just kind of zoning out and or listening to music or now podcasts are nice but yeah I don't know I think that definitely contributed to it.
0: I I, I think that, uh, man, nice collection of sounds I just did there. Oh, like a cool (laughs) little robot, (laughs) little robot thinking of things to say. Uh, your style has a brightness to it. In fact, like this new sketch thing I've been doing, uh, you did a voice for it and then you're, uh, you've been helping me with like the graphic design. And part of the reason was like, there's just something, even if it was like, Jeff, this is a mean ass dragon that lives in a cave. it would have a feel to it that was like oh that's nice even if it felt scary uh, this dragon (laughs) dragon is scaring the hell out of me but it's pleasant like i'm drawn to it and that whatever it is like dichotomy or juxtaposition of this is you can feel like hr giger you know the the kind of um all the stuff from alien is pointed and sort of there's an element of creepiness to it where you're like, what yeah. was this guy's yeah. life? I doubt he was the yeah. life of the party to hang around. This feels yeah. like a heaviness whereas yeah. you it's can a
1: sinisterness to it. Yeah.
0: If you had to draw one of those drooling alien skulls and it would maybe look terrifying, you'd also I just think in the brush strokes whatever it is that you're conveying it artistically but there's this subtext. There's a subtle layer that is like Yeah the art yeah, it's itself a nice alien. yeah yeah and maybe he had that maybe i'm way off in that like oh it's terrifying but it draws yeah. you in it doesn't i mean there's really not a ton of art unless it's of acts or things that make you kind of whoa i i can't look at that yeah most yeah, things true. make you want to look and examine a little closer like oh the fangs like, are like this and oh that's where they drip from oh, the light hitting that drool yeah. you would kind yeah. of appreciate the artistic um process there maybe
1: totally i think i think that's an awesome observation. I think I've done either one. It comes through subconsciously and I, I, the, the person that I am is what the art that I like to make or subconsciously will tune, fine tune it in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what I have found over the years is one, uh, it's, it's almost out of simplicity. I like using limited palettes and those are almost, they're so easy to digest. And so, especially when I'm doing digital work, uh, I will only use two colors, three colors max. And I keep it really simple. I'll use the range of tones within that color. But a lot of times it's just a complementary color system that I'll use. And so that's always my base, my, kind of my mindset. And I think that simplicity is in itself easy to digest and it doesn't feel too complicated. And then on top of that, this was a, a technique that I I it kind of formed out of necessity from doing comedy posters because I needed to be like efficient and I needed to do them quickly. Because uh, as you know, a lot of comedians are like, hey, I need promotional materials. <laughs> I got a show next days week. Ago. What can you do? That's, yeah. yeah, exactly. And so then that's fine. But I think when I started really, when you see a comedy poster or an illustration and it has that like, oh, you can tell that I did it. Uh, I think another thing that I really tried to push myself to do especially digital work I work almost exclusively in Photoshop now I've started oil painting for myself for fun but that doesn't look anything like my digital work but what I wanted to do I I added I started adding textures and finding brushes and techniques that made it feel at least have some sort of slight tactileness to it I wanted it to feel like it was not hand-drawn but I wanted it to feel like at least it had some had been worn or you know it had a little bit it's almost like pastels or mm-hmm. kind of gouache that's been rubbed around a little bit like I kind of want. that's how what's, I, I what's gouache gouache is uh you would totally know if you've seen it but it's um it's a it's like an in-between paint of it's, it's like watercolor it's a water-based paint that you would use if you water it down it acts like watercolor and then if you use it more thick it's more opaque and it acts a little bit more like uh oil paint Cool. so it's it's really awesome i'll send you some stuff on instagram there's some really awesome gouache painters because a lot of um like plain air painters or concept artists will use gouache to practice because it's super fast it dries really quickly you can do little sketches with it uh It's very hard to learn to manage because it has such a range of, you know, you could be watercolory or you can be opaque. I like to use it very opaquely, Mm -hmm. but gouache can look incredible. There's some people out there that they're my favorite artists and they just do these little, you know, vignettes and plein air. They, you know, just go out and sketch and they're just incredible painters.
0: But I love that you guys call it a sketch. To me, a number two pencil or like a mechanical pencil and sort of like... Here's a yeah. bird on a branch. Is a sketch. Yeah. Whereas someone will go out, set up an easel, have a full-on tray of paint, yeah. and make something that looks to to someone that's not an artist, gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, you just yeah. painted that. Oh, yeah, it's a sketch. This is a practice so that just I can do a, this on yeah. three, you know, three yard by three yard gigantic canvas.
1: Yeah, oh, it's cool. really funny to watch. Like I, my Twitter feed is a mix of comedians formula one which is another thing that i love and then art twitter and art twitter is hilarious because it's almost like a cliche where people will post the most finished looking drawing i've ever seen in my life or painting (laughs) it's unbelievable and it'll be like lunch sketch you're like all right relax you're like come on (laughs) it's like it's like a while ago i posted the sistine chapel and i was like lunch sketch like just it's like yeah shut up like come on dude like Get out of here. So it's this. a bit so, of a
0: put on sometimes.
1: Sometimes like art. I mean, for sure, the art world and social media, I think completely has. I sound so old. It's like oh, social media has ruined everything. But it truly has changed. I think people's mentality, especially young artists of what creating art is and should be and whatever that can be, whatever it is to you. It doesn't matter. You know, there's no rules around that. But I think it has turned people into having to be it's it's this you see it in comedy it's the crowd work clip phenomenon that like comedians are now just churning out two, their 20 second clips over and over because that's what the algorithm wants and so i think people are doing that on the art side too the art world is going through this weird growth of you know do i am i should i always be posting new art people will think i'm not working or getting better or worse and i think it just ruins young artists careers it's like you know, if I had social media back when I was spending every night drawing and I would probably be the uh, the terrible artist because I would always, I would never finish anything or yeah. I would always do something too quickly just so I could post it on social media yeah. and get it out there instead of spending the time to iterate and work on it and have things just sit there for a month and then come back to it and work on it again. But I don't know. I I like that mentality, but I've also been caught up in the the social media side of the art thing and always having to like put out content push stuff yeah
0: well and then we're you know getting into comedy you like a response a reaction and getting you know ten thousand likes or something wouldn't inevitably feel good so you then you know people start to like maybe push toward that or that be their drive that's the carrot or that's the little cheese that you get in the cage and i i just can't help but think that As humanity goes on and we live in this time where we're experiencing, expressing things over and over and over, and it's more accessible to everyone, as you get older, like you just say like, oh, I'm so old saying or feeling this, but every generation has felt that way in that more people have shown up to the thing. The the idea of exhibiting something, hopefully we'll always be able to appreciate originality when there was a fork, but really it's just forming this gigantic tree. And if you were one of the forks, great, but we celebrate these Beings or these people, these artists, as though like they were touched by some finger. And then yeah. you see these documentaries about people f- fabricating every type of art. They can replicate it quickly in a garage and be like, Totally. We have people coming with magnifying glasses and scraping off paint and sending it to a lab and going to checks out and they go, It was me. I faked yet again. I got you. I did it the <laughs> whole time. <laughs> it was yep. just me. And you're like, No. Oh! We want to feel like one person is singularly more talented than they really were when in reality, every yeah. generation is. Exponentially multiplying the amount of people that could think of a, a kid just cruising around so being true. like, "Oh, is that, who's that Picasso?" Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, and cool, cool, do, cool. Yeah, yeah, I did that. Yeah. Oh, I can do it in what do you want it in? Like uh, Photoshop, Microsoft Paint, I can do it in Paint? there. I can, yeah. Do yeah. Do I can do it. it on per- I can do
1: it on my iPad if you want. <laughs> I can just do it right here. It doesn't matter. And we would yeah. go,
0: but but, and they go, "I'm still searching for my thing because yeah. so many of my peers are challenging me, and we don't even know what's good because if you're at an open mic scene with 20 comics." You're all just seeing each other, and maybe you go to a festival and you see those one of their or five of the comics from the same level at uh, outside of their normal swimming grounds, and then you see the the sort of the fingerprint of that scene, and you come back and you go, "Man, everyone in Denver is doing something great. We got to step up our game, everybody." Yeah, and then everyone's racist. What are they doing (laughs) over there? (laughs) And then it, it, and then you have social media, so like it's not even. Separate by these scenes. It is the scene is a million, two million, a billion people that are all going. Oh, here's my joke. Here's my thought. Oh, who's this person? You're. Everyone's taking a shit on this week. I've got my thoughts. (laughs) And so then the idea of someone in there. Wait, wait, wait. I've this one tweet that was the best one. This (laughs) person's the the most original, (laughs) most creative.
1: Gild it. Put it in gold. (laughs) Put it in. Put it in the Sistine Chapel. I totally. I think that's fascinating to think about because it is, it's, it's so many art movements or the reason we have famous artists over the years, like the Picassos and all these people that we know of, especially like like the Andy Warhols or even, you know, Ansel Adams and photography, they're all, it's timing. They have their style and they have their, what is so iconic, but it's the timing of when they did what they did. And that that's why it's so important. And so I think it's fun to try to find people who are doing that stuff now that does set them apart. They might be a part of that massive group. And you know they are one little branch in this massive tree that is everything going on now. But it, I think there's so much noise and static happening because of the internet. It's so much harder now to find the person doing the thing that they're doing that sets them apart. And I think it just happened. It's just traditional in art that a lot of people don't find that person until they're dead until they're gone. And you get to look back and you're like, Oh, that was the moment. Like they were doing it, but now we can't tell them that that's what they were doing. That's how they were changing but even, even if we think
0: that, we think that. And that's like, I know, I've heard comedians talk about, ah, oh, maybe they'll find me after I'm dead. That becomes the next sort of like, <laughs> all right, my original goal was to like sell out theaters. That seems like it's not going to happen. Then I thought yeah. I could own a house that's, uh, I guess that's not going to happen. <laughs> oh, maybe they'll find me after I'm dead. It just keeps <laughs> stepping down. But who's yeah. the last person you can remember being discovered after they're dead? I can't after think of dead. one. It's not a thing anymore. It just no, was. It's not. But we yeah. don't do that anymore. We're moving no. on.
1: No, and and now now it's like when someone dies, they were the greatest at whatever they did at the moment they were dying, and <laughs> then people forget about them a week later. It's yeah. so sad. But it is like, man, they passed away. They were the greatest open mic comedian. They were so funny. They were the funniest. It's like were they, or is it? Did they die? And we have to respect that. I know that sounds so. That's so dark, but it's. I think I'm trying to think of yeah the last artist that died and then people immortalized uh because of it and or or truly was because of the way that they changed the art the art world or at least the world through art yeah i also think that people don't view art the same way anymore obviously because of the internet and i it's it's you know we don't we don't go to galleries we don't have the the art world isn't it's not seen as pushing culture forward any anymore i think the art world has now become this weird extreme elitist luxurious kind of misunderstood to a, an extent of like i just don't get it like you know yeah. especially once you've pushed into more contemporary modern abstract art the general public i think is just kind of like well i could do that yeah and that i think we've gone so far with that stuff and then also the the line between you know, what is, what is fine art? What is a meme? What is a comic? You know, it just, it comes down to whatever you're into, I guess. But I, uh, I found myself recently because I use Photoshop for everything. Uh, and it was, it is my job. I've started to, I taught during COVID, I taught myself to to oil paint because it was always been really intimidating just mm-hmm. with the, the chemicals and the materials. I did a, a little bit in college, but never not like that much. So it's been a really fun exercise to learn this and i again i'm using very modern training techniques i just watch youtube videos and like patreons <laughs> and like there's just so many people out there who are just using you know oil painting training programs which are great but i do have a weird sense of pride when i finish an oil painting and it's objectively worse than anything i've ever made on <laughs> photoshop <laughs> and, and it's not what I want it to be at all. I got to show and you, dude. This is like- I want to I, see it.
0: I got, I got into oil painting for a brief period. I did this album called Explosion Land, and I painted yeah. this little dude, guy. And I did like awesome. 50 versions and mixing them, all the things you're talking about. Like I got so yeah. into that, and I loved like yeah. moving it around and the the sort of meditative feel you get when the brush oh. is moving through and you're just seeing all these colors do kind of exactly what you want them to. It's- The greatest
1: feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think I, so I made, I did a painting. I started doing portraits because I was like, well, that seems like the hardest point of entry. Why don't I start there? (laughs) (laughs) And so I wanted to learn to do like, yeah, figures and faces. And so I've, I've I've been doing that. I also love the abstract side of things. So I will, a lot of the, I'll do a, a, a portrait and then some sort of abstract like paint swipes or scratches. I'm still trying to figure out like what I truly like doing. But probably like the fourth painting I did, I did it on like a little wood panel. I think it's behind me is is literally one of my favorite things I've ever made in my life. And I was like, should I quit? I, was like, I don't think I'll, <laughs> I don't think I'll beat this. And I haven't yet. There's, I haven't made anything after that that I like more. Oh, yeah.
0: Let me I'll grab it for you. Yeah, please do. I'll get a photo. Yeah. All
1: right. Let yeah.
0: This right here. I'm going to so photograph like my, it. Okay, yeah there you go. Nice. That's so awesome. I think like, oh thanks. man, you I mean, you're really playing with like light and uh, tones, and there's some really, yeah, I can see why you like yeah. that. I would be I would never get over that if I'd made that, yeah.
1: And then, like everything I've made after that is like, it's fine. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's all right. And but this is the one. I like this hits all the things that I wanted to do when I started oil painting. And then now I'm just chasing this feeling and then i even had like my one of my favorite painters is edward hopper and the way that he would use light and he was just exceptional at creating what i really love about i guess just painting in general in just art is like it sounds so cliche but just like the emotion that it it elicits but also the ability to take a subject like edward hopper would always like use loneliness and use light and the lack of things to create that feeling. And every Edward Hopper
0: painting you look at, you're like, man, this dude's alone. And it could just be a barn in a field. I quote that guy all the time. And I don't know if you know this quote, but this is one of my favorites. And I think it's part of the reason I really bristle at how autobiographical comedians are because he was a curmudgeon. And when, they would interview him and they would always mm-hmm. want to ask him about his work. He'd go oh, ah. The man is in the art. That's <laughs> the best. The man, it, it's so it's good. So tr- it's so true. You can yeah. know someone just by, li- you see it there. You see the person at the cafe, you see the lighting, you feel yeah. what he felt.
1: That's it. I love that quote so much. I have never heard that quote before. I oh, love that's that. The best. Yeah. Cause it's so favorites. true. Yeah. And I love that he was a curmudgeon. And another thing that I love, uh, Oh, it's downstairs. I have a big hopper, uh, uh, coffee table book but uh, in one of them he he would only do like five paintings a year Mm -hmm. like he would he would just wait for it to come to him it wasn't this like again going back to that churning out and having to like pump out art and feel like you're this machine and for for years people would compliment me on how they would they would say you're so prolific in, in just the amount that I was putting out. Yeah. And I'm like in the back of my head, I was like, that's not a good thing that I don't think that's great. Like that, like having the person who writes the most jokes doesn't mean they're, they're good jokes. And so, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like I, there's people who put out the most tweets. So like, that's annoying. And so that's how I've actually been taking steps now in my life to actively cut, like I'm, I'm doing less posters, I'm doing things that I want to do like the like the artwork we were talking about. um, And I have a couple people that I just do posters for uh, kind of regularly, but I've been cutting down on Mm -hmm. just side stuff. Yeah, just so I can paint when I want to paint. And I can also just kind of just go for walks, honestly, (laughs) and like not feel like I need to be. I think I had just better ideas when I'm not as cluttered. And it's funny that took me this many years of constantly churning things out thinking that's what i was supposed to do to be a good artist and then i'm like I, it's fine just just make like I, that's why i love hopper it's like yeah he did five he wasn't out there posting on social media like look how good i am at painting it's like <laughs> we know like it's fine you can relax it's just i haven't i'm not there yet but i want to be there it sounds so nice
0: it does and I, man this um i think we got a lot in this sort of vein to continue i want to take a little break if you're okay with it and then we'll uh pick back yeah in.
1: Yeah. Okay, cool. I won't worry about a second one. Okay. Um, yeah, I might go I'm going to go see if there's a beer downstairs. Hey, great. Yeah, I'll be I'm right
0: gonna, back. Okay. Fine. All right, come back for part 2. I thoroughly am enjoying it. I hope you are as well. I have more beer. He continues to have none. He went and looked for some. He he didn't find any. Um but I really enjoyed the ride on by um Golden Road. Um I feel like oh the last week uh, the episode Part two came out, and then a bit later part one came out, and that was only because I got an email saying, hey, part one's not out, by the way, which is frustrating because there had been a little lapse, and then I was on top of it. I uploaded part one, and somehow or another the audio part of it didn't connect. Maybe I didn't enter it. I feel like I'm pretty good at that, but that's um, just one of the things that comes from being kind of a one-man band. Uh, there are a lot of reasons, I guess, maybe to join a network, but even more reasons to support the Patreon and allow me to, to uh, invoke the help of someone like Dan down in Australia who puts the show together a lot of the time. Um, it, just, it just makes things a little easier. This show is brought to you ad-free because of contributions from listeners just like you. I feel like maybe these long-form conversational podcasts are on the way out. I don't know. Uh, or... Maybe they're not. Maybe it's just you have to add video and constantly be promoting them and little snippets of them, and I'm never going to do that. So this show will just reside in this quiet little enclave where it's just available through audio, hopefully with no ads. And if you like that sort of idea, contributing to patreon.com slash is the best way to be a part of that and help it exist in that form. And if you're like, oh, there's so much stuff these days, I just kind of bounce around. That's fine, too but I hope there is some value in this type of show because I really like doing it I love this conversation with Jeff I think you'll really like part 2 if you like this one so I hope to uh, have you back in the space cave next week alright let's get out of here this is a song by Yacht Club it's called Hole I hope you like it thanks for stopping by the space cave